you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. He couldn't make that if he tried that again. Absolutely. And welcome to the Buckets Fantasy Basketball Podcast, presented by Prize Picks. It's your boy Dan Titus here with my guy Adam Koffler. Koffler, we're recording on Sunday, week nine of NFL, three weeks in the books for the NBA. How you feeling, man? Uh, it's frigid here in Central Florida this morning. I woke up to temperatures in the upper 40s, so putting on our beanies and our sweatshirts while, we, while I take my son to the playground. Damn, I didn't think it got that cold in Florida. Not as frigid as you, but uh, yeah, man, well, it's about to get a lot more hot because you're going on a, a cruise, so that's dope. Yeah, uh, taking it... Uh, Actually, today, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we'll be back in about a week. Uh, looking forward to the first uh, real vacation in a long time. So, yeah, man, but excited to jump right in and, and get a, a recap of what's been going on in the league and, and some, uh, some look ahead into week four. Most definitely. So we're going to talk through our weekly dime where we give our hot take or tip of the week. Getting some usage rates. Are you hitting the panic button on quite a few players um, and then give you some waiver ads? And uh, yeah, get you out of here and ready to look forward to week four. So let's get right into it for the weekly dime. It's not really a hot take, but this guy's playing out of his mind, pretty much having a career year at age 32. DeMar DeRozan, stay, hold, do not get rid of this man on your roster. Do I get to, the, do I get to debate you now or should I wait until our usage segment? No, nah, we, we can wait till usage. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'll tease... Uh, this hot take that I would sell Luka Doncic and kind of an interesting one because I was never buying Luka as this top 10 player this season, but there's, there's plenty of reasons why, you know, I think that uh, he cannot realistically become a top 40 player with, you know, his efficiency issues. So uh, when he shoots the ball well and doesn't turn it over much, gets you a bunch of steals and blocks for whatever random reason, go ahead and, and sell him for some, some guys that are much better in nine category leagues. Yeah, he hit a game winner on Saturday night, which was dope. That's Love the fantasy. player, man. It's not so, fantasy. Exactly. We're here right. to talk fantasy basketball. Um, so scheduling-wise, we have a couple of unstreamable teams, the Orlando Magic and the Washington Wizards. They will only have two games this week. So if there's anyone that might get injured or you're looking for a quick pickup, avoid those squads because they're not going to be very useful for you. Um, the most fantasy-friendly teams that are playing, Phoenix, Memphis, New Orleans, Golden State, and Brooklyn. 
Each of them have four games this week against very good fantasy defenses. And some of our pickups will correlate to that. Real quick, before, just a couple points on the schedule. So you mentioned the Orlando Magic and the Washington Wizards only play two games. And obviously, you know, people might ask like, well, you know, do I drop guys like you know, Cole Anthony and Wendell Carter, right? Like sort of like, you know, not necessarily fringe guys, but guys who you might consider dropping, you know, and, and being more streamable. Like you're not going to drop Mo Bamba. So my answer to that to that would be no. You know, you're just getting unlucky here, right? So the, the following week they might play four games and then the following week they might play another four games. So you don't drop those guys, but you don't stream guys like Franz Wagner, um, you know, Howell Neto, like, you know, you know, fringe guys. You don't want to, you don't want to stream those guys. And also they only play two games. And one of those two games for both those teams comes on Wednesday. And the Wednesday slate this week is 13 games. That's a ton. So the streamable guys from those, from the magic and the wizards might only actually play one game this week, essentially in your lineup. So they're even worse off than they would be, you know, if they actually played two games, they really only play one game this week. Uh, for your lineup. So all Wizards and, and Magic are, are unstreamable options. And you also want to look at other teams that play three games with one of those games being on that on that Wednesday slate. So definitely take a look at the at the uh, hashtag basketball advanced schedule, Greg, that's super important. And then one more note, I also like uh, players from the Los Angeles Clippers and the I think it's the 76ers or the Utah Jazz. They're, they play their games on Tuesday and Thursday. And those are slates with only three games. So you're essentially guaranteeing that you get the games out of those, those streamable players on those squads. Like, you know, your Terrence Manns, your Isaiah Hartenstein's for steals and blocks, your Royce O'Neal's, your George's Niang's guys like that. Um, Definitely, uh, you know, look into picking up this week. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Schedule grid. You can also check out our article that drops on Monday mornings with Joe DeLira and myself. We actually put in a schedule grid for the upcoming week. So make sure you check that out. So you can see we'll be, or which teams will be playing on those Tuesday, Thursdays, tons of back to back. So there's probably going to be some some uh, notable players missing games. So make sure you're cognizant of that for all your DFS lineups. So let's kick it to our uh, conversation about usage rates. So one of the things that we wanted to highlight pretty early in the season is how are certain players playing without significant players in the lineup? So i.e. the Toronto Raptors, Siakam hasn't been there. What is that meant for OG Ananobi? Um, potentially Scotty Barnes and others. Uh, but then we're also kind of taking a, a look at just to see how people have either progressed or regressed from last season in terms of their usage rate and whether you should be buying into that uh, or whether you should be, you know, potentially trying to sell. So let's start with the first guy, uh, Derek White here. Uh, he's currently uh, ranked 67 with an 18.9% usage rate compared to 27.6 last season. Give me your thoughts on Derek White. Why do you think he's a buy low based on his usage rate? So just one thing to note so that, so that the people understand usage rate really means uh, how often a player is involved in uh, a team's plays that result in a field goal attempt, a free throw attempt or a turnover. So it, it, it kind of gives you a sense of how much a player is being used and you can kind of use that to you know predict their, their, uh, their future you know, projections and, and fantasy relevance and things like that. So a 27.6% usage rate a season ago uh, without DeMar DeRozan in the lineup, he was, he was the highest uh, usage rate on the team last season. I think just, just from that reason alone, the, you know, an almost eight percentage point difference in usage rate 
uh, I think you have to believe that, you know, with his current role of getting 32, 33 minutes per game this season, there's room for improvement um, in that usage rate. And then because of that, I think that there's an opportunity for him to take more shots to, you know, potentially also, you know, capitalize in the assist column. But, um, and then for that reason, I think he's a buy low right now, only ranked 67th on a per game basis uh, for the Spurs. I mean, he's averaging uh, almost 14 points a game, three rebounds, six assists. Um, but it's really the blocks and the steals that give him the boost. It doesn't really help you from a field goal perspective, only shooting 43% career 45. And that's really because that was based off of uh first couple years in the league here. Um, but certainly some room for improvement. One guy that surprised me on the Spurs that actually has a higher usage rate is Keldon Johnson. And which is interesting because Keldon Johnson is one of those kind of empty stat uh, kind of fantasy players where he'll, he'll help you in a, in a couple categories, but not in a lot of them. So I think that's more of a real life versus fantasy discrepancy there. Definitely holds more value. Yep. And that's something really important to note while we're talking about usage rates and how they can be a predictor for, for fantasy value. There's also, there's also times when they can be a predictor for like those empty stats, right? Keldon Johnson's not even ranked in the top 150 in nine category leads because he doesn't do very much outside of score the basketball and usage rate is calculated by shot attempts and free throw attempts. So Keldon Johnson has both of those and therefore has a high usage rate of 25%, but those are, you know, the rest of his box score is relatively empty. So a guy like that, you want to look at the usage rate and be like, okay, well, he's not giving me much else anywhere else. And I'm not interested in, I don't even care about his usage rate at this point. Yeah. Uh, Pascal Siak returned to the lineup on Sunday. We don't know how he performed yet uh, because we were recording this early on Sunday, but by the time Monday hits, you guys will know. But one thing that we do know is that OG Ananobi is a baller, 25% usage rate. Nick Nurse loves him, always has. Um, But now Pascal Siakam, who was uh, their leader in usage rate last season, what do you think about OG and how he's going to play into this role playing alongside the you know, a former most improved player, which easily OG Ananobi could be in the runnings for this year. Yeah, I think, I think Ananobi has improved enough where this isn't going to uh, damage his fantasy value completely. Like he, he's ranked 10th over 10th overall on a per game basis right now in nine category leagues. Uh, he's got a usage rate of 25% compared to just 20% last season playing with Pascal Siakam. Uh, and without Kyle Lowry, I made sure that that uh, that comparison was there just so you kind of get an apples to apples here. Um, but so because Siakam is a high usage guy, I do expect, you know, Ananobi's usage to come down just a little bit. Uh, it may not be all the way down to 20 percent, but you might be looking at something like 22, 23 percent. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that scores the basketball with high efficiency, doesn't turn it over very much, uh, is great with some of the defensive metrics. Uh, he he might not score 20.6 points a game like he's done so far early in the season. He may also, you know, his, his assist numbers may also come down just a tad from the 2.8 per game, but don't expect much of a downtick in production. I think this hurts guys like Scotty Barnes uh, much more than it hurts uh, a guy like OG Ananobi. Scotty Barnes is the starting power forward for the, the Toronto Raptors right now. That's where Siakam will slot into. Barnes has seen a 21.6 usage rate. He's played outstanding uh, to start the season here. Um, definitely defined expectations. Came in as like a, a pretty much a 
a point forward and he hasn't really been getting much dimes, but he's, he's putting numbers on the board averaging uh, uh, at what 18 points a game here. So definitely has to cut into his usage. I don't think he goes away altogether, uh, but I think we see him kind of get less minutes uh, comparatively to what he's been seeing, which is around 35 minutes per contest. We know Nick nurse loves to run his guys uh, heavy minutes. Um, so I think we might see that creep down to maybe we see him at like the twenties, tw- uh, high twenties, you know, I've- low thirties. I've also heard uh, rumors that the Raptors could potentially put Pascal Siakam at the five uh, and take Precious Achua and or Ken Birch out of the starting lineup. But we just haven't seen that before out of Nick Nurse. We we saw sometimes he went with Chris Boucher uh, last season, but uh, Chris Boucher hasn't been really in the rotation this season. So I'm not sure that this happens, but if this does happen, then uh, Scotty Barnes probably sticks in the starting lineup and maybe it doesn't affect him as much, but It'll be really interesting to see what happens when Siakam comes back and is is a full go in the rotation. It's kind of I feel like this is a rookie you can't really bench. You know, eighteen and eighteen and nine as a rookie. Yeah, you're not you're not eight yeah, games of the season like that's you're, with three, you're most that's pretty you're most good. definitely not cutting him right. You're you're kind of you're seeing what happens when Siakam comes back into the rotation. Right. You're but you're, yeah. you're you're holding until until that happens. But I'd be at the same time I'd be okay selling Scotty Barnes right now. Sure. Because, because but, I don't think his, his value is not going to stay the same. It's going to go down a little bit. But you could also argue the return of Siakam. I mean, this is obviously just speculation, but Siakam has been on the block for quite some time. A lot of these players for the, the Raptors have. So I wouldn't be surprised if Scotty, I think, is the long-term play. He's not actually going to ever, at least in the next, the next few years, he's not going to be a trade piece. Siakam is. So if you're looking the long game, I would trust in Scotty Barnes longer than I would Siakam. I don't, I don't know that Siakam won't, won't be uh, on another team at some point in this season, but we got to get him on the court. The action looks for action. Action networks. Dan Titus is spreading rumors that the Toronto Raptors are selling Pascal Siakam ahead of the trade deadline this season. I think it happens. We could call that my hot, my first hot (laughs) take, my first official hot take of the year. My second one was, uh, I think Zimmer is going to get fired on Sunday, but we'll see after Sunday. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see, how the, we'll see how the Vikings come out, but um, <laughs> yeah, let's stick. Let's stick with the with the uh, Raptors here. Gary Trent Jr. has been having a great uh, week, and he's averaging twenty point six usage rate this season, which I, to me just sounds really high for a guy that you know his skill set is really bombing away. Uh, he does play a little defense, but he's usually just a high volume microwave scorer. Doesn't always shoot uh, the best percentages. So, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that catches fire. And when he's on, he's on. But when he's not, it, it's uh, you're going to get those three for 15 performances. But uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Gary Trent? Are you buying this, uh, being that he's been playing, integrating pretty well with these Raptors, this Raptors team? Or is this a guy you think you want to sell? I'm selling because at the end of the day, he doesn't shoot the ball well. He's a 39.7% shooter from the field. He gets you threes. He gets you steals. He's averaging a ridiculous three steals per game. I think he had a couple five and six steal games early in the season. Uh, his career average is just 0.9 steals per game. So that's going to come down probably closer to one, 1. 1.2, 1. 1.3, something like that. Uh, so that'll start to normalize. He's, uh, I would take advantage of his 27th ranking right now on per game basis uh, and move him for you know, a better piece that's maybe not performing as well out of the gates because it, again, Siakam back just such a high, high usage player. Um, you have to expect that the production from Gary Trent's going to come down a little bit. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of wild. I I didn't expect that uh, Gary Trent would be seeing so many minutes uh, this early on, but they, I guess Nick Nurse is, is definitely a fan. He played well with them at the end of the season enough to bring him back. But yeah, I think something's got to give here. And, you know, if you're surmising that Pascal Siakam could enter the starting lineup, you know, maybe Gary Trent can stay there as their two guard. But yeah, I got to feel like that. Uh, this is this is the ceiling of what we're going to see of Gary Trent. And when you add Siakam to the miss, that's just another person that's going to take that shot selection away um, and that usage rate. So I tend to agree with you, man. He is seeing a lot of minutes, though, which is definitely promising. But again, you add another player of, of Siakam's caliber to that fold there. I don't see him getting 33 minutes. Right. He's he's um, taking 14 shots. He's taking 14 shots a game right now. That's going to come down. Yeah. Yeah. You got to expect that. And he's still only shooting 40%. So it's not like the shot quality is that great anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's really just the steals. Like he leads the NBA right now, which that's obviously going to regress back to back to the mean. So uh, let's talk about the Bulls. We'll start off with Nikola Vucevic here. We talked about it last week and how his points, his, his shot volume is really what's been the, the differentiator in his value from a fantasy perspective uh, down last season, down since compared to last season with DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, and, and Zach Levine all around him. Uh, his usage rate currently sits at 21 and a half. He's ranked 50th overall. We told you guys, beginning of the season, that this guy was not a top 24 player and he's not playing like it uh, just based off of the volume. Are you concerned? Uh, what are you doing with Vucevic? What am I doing with Vucevic? This is another one of those players, like you said, that I wasn't buying in the off season to begin with, with your boy, DeMar DeRozan in town. Vucevic right now is in a crucial uh, shooting slump, shooting just 38% from the field. That will not continue. He will get back up closer to that 47, 48% that he's accustomed to for his career. He's just in a slump right now. At the same time, even if he does get back to that field goal uh, shooting, uh, he's still not going to be averaging more than 16, 17 points a game. And, and we're used to a guy who averages 20 plus. The assist numbers are still there. Um, and some of the defensive metrics are still there, but he's not a guy who's going to rack up those, those stats either. So, you know, it, do I think that there's room for improvement? Maybe a little bit based on the shooting. That's probably going to get a little bit better. However, you know, the usage rate of 21.5% this season compared to that 28.7% last season. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's got a lot to do with that. It's still a small sample size early in the season, but I wouldn't expect him to become, you know, much better than a, a top 45 or 50 player this season. Yeah. And, uh, Michael Gallagher tweeted after the first game of the season that Vucevic only had a 20.6 usage rate. And that would be the second lowest usage in 70 games he played last season with the uh, Chicago Bulls. So we're now nine games in and nothing's changed. So to me, (laughs) (laughs) this looks like a real thing, man. Like I think Vucevic is just going to take a back, a back seat to the other guys offensively. Um, His rebounds, his rebounds are, are pretty consistent year over year. Um, not really taking much of a dip there. It's really just the usage and in in his involvement in the offense. 13 points a game. I mean, I'm trying to think of a person I could pair him with right now. Like That's a light double-double, man. It's just, he's still getting the dimes, though, 4.2, which is really solid. But 13.4 points, 10.8 rebounds, and 4.2 assists. Ugh, man. 
just he's essentially he's yeah. essentially uh Jakob Pertl, except except yeah. but you know you know the difference is Jakob Pertl shoots 60 percent from the field right right big difference yeah you got yeah his his number his, his field goal percentage will come up a little bit I think he's still probably getting used to um having so much floor spacing around him and not being the traditional big that's clogging up the paint you know taking higher percentage looks closer to the basket um this is a new booch. He's only he's only taken 14.3 shot attempts per game. He was at almost 19 last season in Chicago. Like DeRozan, DeRozan matters. DeRozan talk talk, DeRozan talk about your matters. talk about your boy. Why is DeRozan not a sell high? So, I'll let you so before I, I'll get into your justification first of why he's a sell high and then I'll and I'll provide my rebuttal here. Um cuz mainly let's talk about his usage rate uh, cuz that's I think what you're more so not believing. Uh, 31.2%, currently ranked 15 overall. I'll, I'll let you get into his career year. He's averaging the most points he's had since, the I think, the 2015-2016 season. So, yeah, I'll let you go. I'll give you the floor first, and then I'll and then I'll respond. Yeah, this is kind of fluky, right? I mean, it's it's oh, been oh, fun. It's, it's been fluky? <laughs> I mean, he seems a little reju- – he seems rejuvenated in Chicago, right, playing under the Michael Jordan spotlight there in uh, the United Center. I think that's what it's still called. But, I mean, he's averaging – Almost 27 points a game. Hasn't done that since his his uh, amazing year in 2016 in, in Toronto. Taking 19 shots per game. That's also the second most in his career. Um, let's see. He is he's averaging a steal a game, 0.4 blocks a game. And only, listen to this, only 1.4 turnovers on his whopping 31.2% usage rate. Like that, that's also going to, I know DeRozan, um, typically is not a high turnover guy, but even, you know, last season and season before, uh, we're looking at two and a half turnovers per game. So that's going to, that's going to come up too. And once the scoring goes down, Dan, the problem is he's only averaging 3.7 assists per game compared to his Remember his career high last season with the Spurs 6.9. Like that's almost, that's almost cut in half. So we have to be careful about DeRozan. We can't we can't possibly expect him to shoot fifty one percent from the field on twenty on twenty shot attempts for the entire season. So my hypothesis here is that Vucevic and DeRozan's usage are going to kind of you know meet in the middle a little bit, and we're going to see a situation where Vucevic is scoring more, DeRozan scoring less, and DeRozan scoring less, and his assist numbers are down, and his turnover numbers are probably up a little bit. So you're not going to get uh, DeRozan at a, at a He's not going to have any. Uh, he's not going to get higher value than he is right now at 15th per game. So I, I'm selling. I'm selling DeRozan while I can to guys like you who think he's here to stay. <laughs> yeah, um, I misspoke earlier when I said his the 2015-2016 season. I meant the 2016-2017 season where he averaged 27 points, five rebounds, and four assists, and 1.8 turnovers. Man, that looks eerily similar to something that he's doing right now. 27 points, six rebounds, and four assists with 1.8 turnovers. So this is my thing about DeMar DeRozan and why I think he's real. It's more about the system. And the system now is a five now, meaning that you're going to have all five players start out their offense on the perimeter. That means Nikola Vucevic is nowhere around. He's not clogging up the paint. That only opens up lanes for Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball to do their slashing. You know, we know that they love the mid-range. Um, at least DeMar DeRozan does. He's a mid-range master guru at this point, which is why he has so much spacing to do what he wants. They don't need Nikola Vucevic to shoot the ball anymore. They'd rather use him 
as a person to just space the floor, hit big hit shots if they need to, because he likes to shoot away from the basket anyway. And at this point, he's just a screen setter and creating that more Woo-hoo! off the ball. Sc- he's creating more just, off the ball work for all of these guys. There's no screen reason setter. that. To- there's no reason that DeMar DeRozan isn't going to change this format. This formula is working. The Bulls are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. If, if his, his field goal percentage, you're saying it's going to regress. He's not going to shoot 51% for, his, for the rest of the season. He shot 50% last year, 53% the year before that, 48. This dude. Yeah, on, like, on, fewer, on, fewer shot, on fewer shot attempts. This, you can't keep this up. You, it, you can't be a combo guard and shoot 51% Again, on 20 so. shot attempts. Even if it goes down to 48%, he's still going to be dropping 27 points a game. He's still going to be a top 20 player if he d- continues to do the same thing. His free throw percentage is 88%. He's even making almost a three a game. He never did that before. He's almost shooting 40% from three-point line. <laughs> this dude has gotten better. He's in his prime. I think you could argue DeMar DeRozan, this is the best version of DeMar DeRozan you will probably ever see. So, yes, you could say that is a sell-high opportunity, but I'm not selling that. I will, if anything, like, who are you going to sell him for? No, everyone knows the name DeMar DeRozan. It doesn't net much value on the trade market because like, oh, it's DeMar DeRozan. We know who that guy is. So like, to me, I'm like, why enjoy the ride, man? You got a great value pick of a guy that was probably drafted more in the top 40 range, top 50 range, and he is exceeding here's, expectations to the, here's the question. top 20 guy. Yeah, here's a question. Would you, if you had DeRozan, would you... Trade DeMar DeRozan away and acquire Jason Tatum. Yeah, Tatum's yeah, Tatum. Oh. I mean, that's 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 you. I mean, that I, is, but I'm that, also buying low on Tatum. But that's the definite right. But that's the definition of selling high and buying low. So I would absolutely buy but Jason Tatum. I, but I don't. But I don't think any manager is legitimately going to take that trade because DeMar DeRozan's playing really well because of that name that that connotation that comes with DeMar DeRozan. Like Jason Tatum is a, an all NBA player. What DeMar about DeRozan is not. What about Joel Embiid? who's 40th per game right now. Again, I don't think anyone's trading a center. A Joel I don't Embiid know, man. DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan doesn't have the health concerns that Joel Embiid does. That, that's, that's, a more, that's a more He's intriguing a question. He's a thoroughbred. That's true. Yeah. But I think it's about team roster construction and needs. Like I feel like most people aren't going to trade a forward for a center of their caliber. Like that's just... And B is a different echelon of value to a team relative to like a Ford. So. One more. DeMar DeRozan or Bradley Beal? Bradley Beal's 34th right now. But like, I feel like people are going to get, they're going to get hung up on the name. The va- like if you, so that's funny. This is a good blind test. I think you should do it on Twitter next week. Do player A, do player B and see what more people are, are into. And I bet you they're going to be like, yo, DeMar DeRozan's playing like Bradley Beal. <laughs> Give me that yeah, but, guy. But then but then I could put I could do Miles Bridges player C and they could be like, yo, I want Miles Bridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean that's a but Miles Bridges is a breakout guy. You're not selling him. We just talked about that. That like granted, he's having a very early peak of breakout, kind of like an OG and Anubi that we talked about as well. Um, but like I just at 32, like I think this is probably the best season that you could see of DeMar DeRozan. Like the system works for him. They obviously trusted him to shoot the ball 20 times a game. And it's and it's yielding results. If they were bad, I could see the reason to be like, all right, this guy's wild. He's probably taking too many shots. Give a little bit more to Vooch. I don't see that happening, man. Just don't see it. I'm holding. I'm holding strong. Let's do it. All right. Let's go to Houston. Kevin Porter Jr., Mr. Turnovers. He has a 24% usage rate right now. His turnovers are crushing his value. And uh, 
So, yeah, I guess if you have Kevin Porter Jr. paired with like Luka Doncic and Russell Westbrook, <laughs> you probably have some pretty good stats, but your turnovers are a mess and your field goal percentage is hot garbage. So, like, what do you do? Like, are you believing in Kevin Porter Jr.? Is it is his usage rate concerning, considering that he's the starting point guard for a team that's tanking, that only really has a couple players around him like Christian Wood and Jalen Green that could actually, you know, give him i don't know like cut into his usage rate but like that's still not extremely high for a guy that that's pretty much been given the keys to the offense yeah here's the problem right last season he was a volume guy and he was able to overcome the inefficient inefficient play because of that 28 percent usage rate like you said 24 percent this season currently ranked only 199 on a per game basis in nine cat leagues he turns it over five or he's turned it over five or more times in five of eight games this season so far, shooting just 40% from the field and 70% from the line. I'm going to make this one really easy. You, if you, for some reason, drafted him, you sell him whenever he goes on a hot streak because playing next to Jalen Green is not good for is not good for Kevin Porter Jr. because you drafted him to be able to get that volume, those volume stats. And with the lower usage rate, he's not going to be able to get those and you're not going to be able to overcome the inefficient play. So he's, he's definitely a sell for me. Yeah, he's, he's easily a sell. I'd say wait till he goes for that, you know, that 30 and 10 game against like the Pelicans or the Oklahoma city thunder or something like that. Agree. That's the, that's the prime opportunity to get, get him off your team. Cause he's only going to tank you. He he's just going to tank your, your stats. He's just not one of those guys that's going to help you win. Uh, probably put him in that category of a Luka Doncic, which we can get to. Let's talk about Joel, Mr. Embiid. So he has a 33.8% usage rate, which is great. You know, starting center uh, for a good team that's playing really well without Ben Simmons. But I think you would expect to see his usage rate to be a bit higher without Simmons on the court, on the floor. Tobias Harris has also been off the floor right now. So I think we've seen also a little bit more of an uptick there uh, over the last week. But uh, what are your thoughts on Embiid? And are you concerned about him taking games off mainly because we've already seen him starting to get hobbled a little bit bulky knee. Uh, we know he always misses anywhere between 15 to 20 games a year. So are you preparing for that? If you're a manager that has him rostered, or are you trying to sell him pretty much based on his high usage rate and, and what he can do on the court? Yeah. His, his usage rate is down from last season uh, without Simmons, but, but that was because last season was, was kind of an anomaly. I mean, I mean, a usage rate of 43% for, for any player is, astronomical like the the highest usage rate players are in like the 35 percent range like your james harden kevin durant guys like that but what i do like to see out of Embiid this season so far is he's averaging a career high four assists per game and you know despite the questionable tags that he comes with on most nights he's only missed one game so far granted the sixers have only had one back-to-back i believe it is so there, there's definitely the possibility that he's load managed a little bit more um, this season with that 82 game schedule, but you know, a usage rate of 33.8% is still extremely high. And, and I am a fan of, of the fact that he's, he's dishing the rock a little bit more uh, in Ben Simmons's absence. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not selling Joel Embiid, but, but I'd be okay if, you know, off a couple good games, you know, you, you went ahead and, and tried to acquire somebody who's not going to be missing games down the stretch because with Embiid, you're never going to know. And, and if, if you're a guy who's guy or girl who's, you know, interested in that consistency, you know, you might try to move him for 
you know, Jason Tatum or Damian Lillard who are not playing so well right now, but, you know, still have a lot of value. Let's flip this, the script there for someone that is playing really well. You have been pretty clear that you are not a fan of John Morant for fantasy purposes. And currently he's ranked 48. I think you, I think you had him probably pegged in that 70 range yeah. upside. Um, well, what are your thoughts on him? And why are you thinking that you need to sell high based on not only his usage rate, but just your lack of confidence in his uh, fantasy viability long-term? He's, he's, uh, he's got a 32.3% usage rate this season. Last season when Dylan Brooks was healthy, he was at only 25.2%. So Dylan Brooks is a guy that operates with the ball in his hands, which is going to take the ball out of John Morant's hands. Uh, so I don't expect the scoring to continue. And, and this is assuming Dylan Brooks comes back and he looks like the Dylan Brooks of last season. He looked really good, looked like a, a big-time scorer for the Grizzlies. Um, and the reason I didn't like Morant was because he doesn't have those peripheral stats. So when his scoring does inevitably come down a little bit uh, and the turnovers stay relatively similar, he doesn't give you enough in other areas for me to get excited about him. And his his ranking of 40, his, he's ranked 48th per game right now. That's absolutely John Morant's ceiling as a guy who's not shooting threes and getting very many steals and blocks um, and not shooting very efficiently. Like, you know, I'm okay with the, the, the take that DeMar DeRozan's not really a sell high, but I think John Morant's an easy sell high candidate with Dylan Brooks coming back to the lineup. Uh, so Brooks had a, what, 26% usage rate? You said yeah, it's pretty high. Season. Yeah. That is that is pretty high, um, and I think you also combine that with uh, Desmond Bain's play and uh, DeAnthony Melton as well. The Grizzlies are a better team fantasy wise this season than I think that they were last year, and John Morant has really been playing outside of his mind. And similar to like I guess you could compare it to Demar Derozan, as you said, I think that there is a regression at at hand with uh, or at least a possibility of it with John Morant just with getting someone like. At least in DeRozan's situation, you're not inserting inserting another player that's just going to upwards and get 25% in there. Like this, this is similar to like a Raptor situation. But yeah, I, I think more so Dylan Brooks will probably hurt uh, Melton and uh, Bain, but it could certainly bring down Morant as well. But like even Morant playing as well as he is, you know, being one of the top scorers in the league, uh, upping his assists, he's still only 48. So that those peripherals that you talked about. That's still really real. Like if he was if he was more efficient, he would be way higher up in the ranking. So him being a forty eight right now is probably a, a peak. Um, so I think that yeah, that I mean, be an opportunity I mean, to get rid of him. I mean, we don't think he's going to shoot fifty percent from the field on on twenty shot attempts the rest of the season, right? Like he he's a no he shot he no. shot he shot forty four percent last season. So it, it's kind of like DeRozan, but I think DeRozan's a better shooter than John Morant. So like. Morant's still turning the ball over 4.2 times per game because the ball's in his hands so much. So, you know, the turnovers might come back down to earth a little bit, but I think the scoring will too. The scoring's going to regress when Dylan Brooks is back in the starting lineup. 19.6 shots per game. That's up by four since last season. Um, he's making more three-pointers, which is good. Free throws are about the same, um, averaging five, almost six a game. Uh, so, yeah, you got to figure something's got to give here. But, uh yeah, I, I don't own I don't have John Moran on any of my rosters. If I did, I'd probably still be riding the wave. Um, but you still have a little bit of time because there's no there's been zero indication to me that Brooks is ready to return yet. I don't think he's even made it back to the court. So so this is either the prime opportunity to sell him or you know, just ride it out. All right, let's get into some uh quick panic button stuff. 
Um, are you pressing the panic button on Michael Porter Jr.? We've talked about him a lot. I think last week we said he was still in that buy low territory. I mean, this is probably going to be the lowest it's going to get because he hurt his back. We know his story history of his back reconstructive surgery uh, to start his career. This is very concerning for me. Um, I don't even know that I'll consider. I don't know if I'm interested in buying low unless I have like a phenomenal team that can that can afford to stash him on IR potentially or wait out whatever's going on with his jump shot uh, that he can't figure out. Yeah, typically don't buy uh, injured players that leave a game and don't return. And then it's kind of cloudy as to what his, you know, what the future holds for him. And we know he's had back issues in the past. So while I, you know, I was on board, you know, when I thought he was fully healthy with the similar usage rate to last season, similar peripheral stats, I I just can't buy a guy that, that, uh, you know, is, is not healthy. uh, And I have no idea what his outlook looks like for the rest of the season. So uh, for now I'm out, but I'm, I'm willing to, you know, when he, if he comes back and they tell me he's fully healthy, then I'm willing to buy back in. Right. Um, So let's go to the next person, uh, Damian Lillard. He's only averaging 18. Oh man. 18 and a half points, four boards, eight and a half assists. The eight and a half assists look great. He is shooting 35% from the field. Interestingly enough, he's still taking around the same amount of shots as last year. He's just not hitting them. So how are you pressing the panic button on, on Damian Lillard? Do you think that this is something that's going to be of concern for a while? Nope, no panic button whatsoever. I think we could move on to the next one uh, relative with relative ease. Just, just because he's, he's shooting 35% from the floor this season and he's a career 45% shooter. So he will get back up to that number and, and all the peripheral stats look relatively similar to, you know, seasons past. But it, like you said, because, because he's not shooting the basketball very well, he's averaging more assists per game right now. Uh, yeah. Kind of give, giving way to CJ McCollum. Although he's making four less free throw attempts actually in his over the last five years, actually. So he's not getting to the line as much. I don't know if that's a confidence thing. Maybe it's the new rule change, but that seems to be another casualty of that rule change because he's not getting to the line nearly as much, which obviously gives him more points because he's, you know, career 89% free throw shooter. So yeah, by low, a, by low. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Darren Fox, are you buying low on him? Are you worried about him? No, I'm worried. Darren Fox. No, no, no. Um, remember when Darren Fox was picked in the first round of uh, Moody, yeah, Eric yeah, Moody's yeah, ESPN yeah. draft. Yes. <laughs> that guy's gotta be, gotta be, regretting I mean, his uh, selection he's he's definitely in last place right now because <laughs> uh <laughs> just a 27 percent usage rate this season the reason why De'Aaron fox was even good last season for from a fantasy perspective is because his usage rate was over 31 percent uh you have to you have to suspect that davion mitchell harrison barnes and another year of a progressed tyrese halliburton is a is negatively affecting De'Aaron fox uh turns the ball over way too much not an efficient not an efficient score um this is a guy i don't really want on my fantasy teams uh, unless I'm playing in a points league where, where those couple things don't matter. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I was always kind of panicked on Darren Fox from a fantasy perspective, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested in acquiring Darren Fox. He's not a buy. He's not a buy low for me. Another person whose free throws are down, um, just struggling from the field, you know, only shooting 39%. But I think we've seen, I don't know. He seems like less reliant on, on his game, his game offensively, Harrison Barnes has been playing very well. Buddy Heald has also been playing really well. Um, I don't know. So that's, that's going to be tough. But uh, yeah, I'm not really buying into Fox right now either. Last one, last couple guys we can go through really quickly. Uh, Jason Tatum, are you worried about him? And uh, Marcus Smart called out him and Jalen Brown for being ball hogs, essentially. 
not worried about that. I think Tatum's just really struggling from the field here. What are your thoughts on Tatum? We're going to see a couple 50 burgers from, from Tatum upcoming with Jalen Brown sidelined with the hammy for a couple weeks. So I think with that being the case, we can see some get right games for Tatum. And I expect him to get back, you know, right where he kind of left off last season as a uh, top 15, 20 ish type player. Um, so I'm similar to Damian Lillard. I'm not, I'm not worried at all about Jason Tatum. Yeah. I think that news of that, that uh, Jalen Brown could be missing a couple weeks with the hammy is, is going to be news for all fantasy managers that are rostering Jason Tatum and seemingly frustrated. Cause I think it's going to, he's going to get out of that funk now. And let's talk about the main guy. Are you hitting the panic button on Luka Doncic 74 overall? Luka's at, I mean, we talked about at the beginning of the show. He's hitting game winners. Dallas is kind of middle of the pack of the, the Western conference. They're not very good. Um, he's still putting up pretty solid uh, fantasy numbers here. His points are down this year, but still ranked 74th overall. A guy that went number probably anywhere between one and seven, maybe eight worst case in fantasy leagues. Uh, what are you doing with Luka? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Luca, uh, Luca's fantasy value and the perception of Luca as a fantasy asset are just very intriguing to me because, like you said, he was a top 10, consensus top 10 player this season. But last, last year in his career year, just finished 37th on a per-game basis. And this season, he's 76th, I believe, on a per-game basis. He's averaged 4.3 turnovers each of the last three years. And, and, and the, I think what get, what gets people excited is his scoring rebounds and assists, but you have to remember there's nine categories or even eight categories uh, in, in a lot of these fantasy leagues. So he's not a guy who gets a lot of steals and blocks. He turns the ball over way too much. And this season he's only shooting 44% from the field and 71.7% from the line. And he's another guy that's only shooting. He's taking 5.1 free throws per game that's down from his career average of 7.5. So there's definitely something going on with that rule change and players not being able to get to the line. Maybe that's affecting him a little bit, but the peripherals aren't great. He's not a great shooter and it turns the ball over way too much. So uh, he's not a guy I was high on going to the season. And, you know, I would sell him for a guy who's a little bit more efficient. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over as much because I like to win all my categories, not just three of them. I feel that. I mean, he's second in, uh, we had the usage rate conversation. He's second in usage rate. Just to quiz you real quick, do you know who's number one in usage rate right now? Oh, good question. Um, let me see. Do, do, do. All right, you're Googling Steph, now. Steph Curry or Nikola Jokic? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 35. I'm 35. in. 5.5. Crazy. I'm in. All right, so let's uh, close out with some few of our top waiver ads. For me, shallow leagues, I'm talking anything 10 and less. Uh, Desmond Bain still under rostered. De'Anthony Melton continues to be under rostered. Tyrese Maxey, get this guy immediately. He just had it coming off of a seven assists, no turnover game. Looks completely comfortable running that offense for the Sixers. He should not be on waivers, especially with the COVID stuff that's going on with the Sixers. There's just tons of value there for a lot of players that another guy I'll talk about in a deep league, as well as my boy Jalen Brunson who is getting all the minutes, six-man minutes, for those Dallas Mavericks team, averaging over 28 minutes a game. He was a top 20 player last week, along with a couple other guys. Deep leagues, looking to P.J. Dozier. He got the minutes when uh, Michael Porter Jr. went out with the back injury. 
Alex Caruso still under rostered, man. I don't know what it's going to take to get this guy, um, get him on squads, man. But he he is certainly performing, giving you a lot of steals and assists. Devin Vassell played really well last week. George's Niang has been extremely valuable for him with threes, uh, field goal, and even give you some assists um, with Tobias Harris still off the floor and Furkan Korkmaz, who are both in the protocols. Nicholas Batum somehow, some way, is still putting up decent fantasy numbers. Grayson Allen, Royce O'Neal, and Gary Payton the second was surprisingly a top 15 player last week, um, along with Frank Kaminsky, who's another guy that I think you could pick up with uh, DeAndre Ayton dealing with some knee issues. So any other guys you want to add to the list, Koffler? You took all my guys. Um, Gary Payton the second's a really interesting one. He's gotten 17 and 18 minutes in his last two games. Putting up pretty full lines doesn't turn the ball over. You know, get you those defensive stats, uh, jams on people uh, constantly at six foot three. And then Steve Kerr was was on record saying that he needs to find more minutes for this guy. So it's possible that he gets up into the 20 plus minutes. And, you know, he's one of those guys on a per minute basis that's going to just smash. So just, you know, think about a guy like D'Anthony Melton, sort of comparable to, to Gary Payton, the second, maybe consider picking him up as a as a, a deep league flyer. Yeah, he's uh, balled out the last couple of games and only under 20 minutes of, of uh, a per contest. So, yeah, definitely someone to look up. All right. So that will conclude our show. Thanks for hanging in there to listen to our weekly dime, our usage rates, hitting the panic button and getting our waiver wire picks for the week. Um, it's going to be a fun week four. So make sure you check in, listen uh, to all of the buckets podcasts that come out next week. Doing great on the betting side. Make sure you download the Action Network app if you haven't already to track your bets and tail our Action Network experts. Be sure to read our uh, Action Network fantasy and prop betting article that will drop today. Um, Check that out over on the website um, or in the app. Find me on Twitter at Dan Titus. You can find Koffler at Adam Koffler. He probably won't be responding to your messages as much because he will be cruising around the uh, open ocean on a cruise with the fam. So don't be mad at him. But uh, otherwise, yeah, we'll see you next week. I'll at you. Peace.